right. And joining us today on T Watches a Scary Movie, he just got done debuting his latest short film, Remission, which is available to watch on YouTube right now. We got the link up here for y'all to check out for that as well, too. Please welcome Mr. Ben Schatzel. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, man, it's great to have you on here. Um, had a great time checking out Remission this past week, and y'all are definitely moving on up there. It's only been a few days, and y'all are definitely amassing the views on that video now. Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, we kind of had a, just a little bit of press right beforehand. It, it's kind of tough with this short film format. Uh, that, that's what this is. It's a 16-minute short, and you never quite know how to promote it because you don't want a whole lot of lead time going into it. It's not a feature. It's you're not going to organically build hype in the same way. So uh, really just started pushing it about 24 hours before it dropped. And then, you know, my thinking was maybe it's easiest to try to promote it and push it in front of people once it's already there and once people know where it is and how to find it. So, yeah, it's a little slow but steady, but I, I couldn't be happier with where it's at. Yeah, and I'm curious. I mean, looking at Remission and then looking at a couple of your other short films, um, uh, what was kind of interesting to me is that we're in a time frame right now to where uh, short films, especially horror short films, seem to be just thriving like really, really well. Like it definitely seems that obviously in the last like 10 years as people have turned to more short form media that obviously short films are doing better. But especially with like the pandemic and everything in the last few years, I feel like horror short films are getting a lot more attention. Um, have you really seen or noticed any kind of trends with that when it's come to making these? Because again, like you've, you produced a number of short films. Have you seen that more people are kind of paying more attention to that route than like the full length, like indie film we could see these days? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question because horror plays particularly well in a shorter format, I believe. Even when you look at a lot of successful horror features, a lot of them tend to come in on a shorter end of the runtime. And I, I think that's just because a great horror, you kind of want that edge of your seat, suspense, pulling the audience in. And it's hard to sustain that for, for a Lord of the Rings type runtime. You, oh, know, yeah. that, you know, you can do 90 minutes of that and people walk away feeling good. If it's great, you can maybe pull off two hours. Um, but, you know, the short film idea, it's it's a little bit different because it's like, okay, here's an interesting concept. I, watching horror shorts that really stick out to me, it's like the, the short film from Saw, the short film that inspired Lights Out, um, you know, some of the horror shorts from Trick or Treat or VHS or some of those other anthology style uh, features that come out, which are really like short film compilations. Those are what typically stick with me. And when I watch those, I see a really strong concept uh, it builds the suspense and then there's maybe one or two scares to really pay it off. And I think that's something that you can do with horror. You can do that with comedy, but you can't do that with a whole lot of other genres. Do you find that uh, in the work that you've done thus far, that you've had to sacrifice anything by going like the short film route over something expanded, like in your writing process, because um, you've, you've written your projects that you produced as well. Um, has there been anything that you found yourself having to say, like, look, like if I'm trying to make this, this runtime, or I'm trying to keep this very contained, I got to get rid of this. Has there been anything that you've had to sacrifice in your stories thus far? Yeah, you know, one one downside of the shorter format is I think it's tip, it, it's uh, typically hard to dive into the characters the way that you would like to in a, in a feature. And, you know, that's something that I'm trying to work through in my writing as is. Um, I, 
I look back at stuff that I've done and I'm like, I want to make these characters a little bit more compelling. But even in the great, great, great uh, horror short films I've seen, typically they're just either caricatures or they're characters with one or two traits that really show through, but they don't always feel like three-dimensional people because you want to get to the fun and action of whatever is going to scare you. Uh, and and that, that's typically the focus. So I think that's a lot, a lot of times on the chopping block uh, with a shorter format. But that being said, there's people that pull it off really well. Uh, it, it just depends on, you know, that filmmaker's skill set and where they want to prioritize their storytelling. And in remission, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, definitely, definitely a bit of a longer runtime, like uh, getting close to like 16 minutes on that. And we got to know, got to know the characters a little bit, a little bit more compared to, again, a couple of your other films we got a chance to watch as well, too. But um, something that I found incredibly interesting about Remission is that you blended otherworldly or, you know, monstrous kind of things or whatever you want to call it with kind of real world problems that we're facing because there was a lot of talk in remission about things like climate change and, you know, global warming in there. But not only that, and of course, you know, the scientific parts to go right over my head completely now, but there seemed to be a lot of talk about like, you know, new viruses and old viruses coming back and affecting our livelihood on this planet as well too, which it's interesting because in the time that we're in, that's exactly what we're dealing with right now. We have these old viruses coming back and affecting us in different ways and new viruses, you know, just got getting out of or at the tail end of a pandemic right now. Um, how, how was that? How was your thought process putting together the script for remission, you know, uh, however long it took you to get through it, considering everything we're dealing with today, like did that really influence a big, big part of this story you were trying to tell? So the short answer is, in a lot of ways, no, it did not, because this was something that I actually wrote uh, in, what was it? It was fall 2017. We went into production around spring 2018. So, or no, I'm sorry, I'm a year behind on both of those. Fall 2018, we went into production spring 2019. Um, So all of this was pretty much right before the pandemic, and post-production was elongated on all of this because we were in a real life apocalypse uh trying to pull off an apocalypse movie and it it, it kind of like sowed the seeds of doubt in in myself and i'm sure others working on it where it's do people want to see this do people want to see a horror movie about a virus brought on by climate change that you know is is afflicted by all of these real world problems that we're seeing uh and i mean i suppose the, the answer to that question is still yet to be determined but I do find it, uh, I, f- I find it interesting because all of these problems are interrelated. You know, we, we can't necessarily look at the pandemic and compartmentalize that as that was the pandemic and this is climate change and, you know, this is racial injustice or this is economic injustice. All of these things kind of feed into each other. But at the end of the day, I wanted to make a monster movie. So I get in my own head with a, a lot of these things, but in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, it needs, it needs to be scary. It needs to be fun to watch. It can't be too heady and over the top with, with the science stuff. It's there if you want it, but you don't need to really dial into that. I, I don't want it to be too heady with the messaging or, or whatever. And to be honest with you, a lot of the inspiration for this came from uh, filmmakers like Bong Joon-ho and Jordan Peele, who infuse comedy into their horror. And they do infuse like some really strong messaging, 
But at the end of the day, you can walk away from those films and you think that was a hell of a ride. And, and I want to watch it again. Definitely. And I, I'm curious with that because ultimately you say you really do just want to make, uh, make a monster movie out of it. And I was reading back a bit on your writing process and, you know, that you talked about at one point in an interview you did to where um, you, you like to be alone. You have to be solitude in your thoughts to really focus on that story and to really give yourself, you know, like six, six, seven hours to really just focus one-on-one on that and try to get that story to speak to you. And when you're when you're putting together a story like Remission to where, again, a really, really well done job about putting together those science, the scientific part of it to those people who really understand that aspect and like, oh, yeah, no, this all makes complete sense combined with, you know, with people like me and a lot of other people like, yeah, cool, just show us the monsters and everything, too. And you make those merge really well. So in your writing process, like, does it all come together for you at once? Is it something to where like you have to like just pick at it a bit at a time and like you get yourself like your body of it? Is it the monster that comes first for you? Is it the is it the uh, you know the bigger bigger worldly stakes that are going on? Like at least in this story, how like what came to you first? Like how did this story really come together for you for remission? Yeah, sure thing. And so. One thing I should maybe mention is I'm an actor and that's kind of how I fell into a lot of this is from the world of acting. So I think that that plays into my writing process in a lot of ways. Uh, But to, I guess, more directly answer your question first, for this particular film, it it was the final image, which I would say is probably the strongest piece of the film. Everything that happens is leading up to that final image. And again, I think that's on genre. Uh, I think a lot of horror films have... Saw is something I come back to a lot. Saw is really what brought me to the genre. It's it's the horror film I've seen more than any other horror film. It's I've seen it probably more than any other film. Uh, and that's got a final image that really sticks with you. And it was able to propel seven more movies that are more or less marginal in quality compared to the first one. And, I, and it's because that's what really lands with a lot of people. Uh, so that, that was the first thing that came to me is what is that closing image? How do I build to that? Uh, but, but I think where the acting piece comes into it is that's, that's my acting process as well, is I really just need to spend time with the script. I'm talking to the script. I'm, I'm writing stuff down. I'm trying to see what it's going to give me. And then from there, I'm using that to craft a character. The difference here is I have the ability to change the script. So if I'm, you know, working with my script, I set it aside for a little while, come back to it in a few days with some fresh eyes, and I'm working through it, and I'm saying, this piece just doesn't work. I, for whatever reason, you know, here works and here works on either end of it, but this piece in the middle is just not quite sticking. I have the ability to change that, and just with where I'm at in my, my screenwriting journey, I'm not far enough along to know what the answer is all the time. I might not have never hit that point. But I, I love to experiment and try things, bounce it off of friends. Um, but at the end of the day, I do kind of need that level of isolation, closing myself off from consuming too much similar content or even talking with friends and trying to get ideas off of them. You kind of hit that too many cooks in the kitchen problem. So 
I've found that a big piece of writing is knowing when you're turning on that valve to be bringing in similar uh, media, when you're trying to take inspiration, when you're trying to feed off of people, and when you need to turn off that valve and say, no, I've, I've got it. Now I just need to synthesize this into the final product. Now, going off of that, talking about like your actor's process and how um, that's definitely benefited, like how you write and how you're able to... Uh, Kind of, kind of find the voices for your for your many characters, um, and a couple of your other projects, uh, Morbus Opus and Dark Traces. You know, you were part of the cast for those. Did you find compared to those projects to Remission, it's a bit easier to write or maybe fine tune parts of that story when you yourself are in it? Like, um, are you able to like, I guess, to envision it, to hear it, to see it all better when you're a part of that cast? You're actually in in that project versus just being on the outskirts, you know, writing, directing, that, those parts compared to actually being part of that cast. Does it change that process when you have to start thinking about it from the actor standpoint, at least for you? It does. And I don't know that it's necessarily for the better, which is a lot of the reason why I did not want to cast myself in this. This is actually the first one that I directed. So we had another, uh, another guy direct those first couple and he was still involved here on an EP level, but I wanted to really focus on directing. And for better or for worse, when, when you're acting in it, your character becomes the primary focus of the writing. And that's not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to put, put myself in the film and say, okay, how is everything going to affect the character that I'm playing? Because that's got a special interest in my head. Uh, and it's, it's tough to divorce yourself from that. I mean, certain people can do it quite well. Uh, Taika Waititi is one of those people that you often see in more of a supporting role in his in his own work, but that's a skill in and of itself to just look at a character that I know I'm gonna play and say, no, I need, I need that character to serve the story the same as any other character and not have it be inverted and have the story and characters serving this character just because I'm gonna play them. So it, it does change it, uh, but I'm not sure if it changes it for the better. Fair enough. Fair enough. And there, there seems at least to be some of a running trend between, you know, remission, Morbus Opus, Dark Traces, of tales that are a bit more, bit more on the dark side, you know, horror, suspense, thriller, whatever you want to call it, ultimately. And do you find yourself not just as a, not just as a creator, as a filmmaker, but as a viewer, do you definitely find yourself gravitating more towards like hor the horror genre, more towards like the, these darker stories that are out there for us to enjoy these days? I absolutely do. I, I had a, liter a literary teacher in high school who assigned us a lot of, of literature that was typically a little bit darker in tone. We had a major uh, unit on, on Moby Dick. We had a major unit on Grapes of Wrath, and those are not exactly uplifting tales. And he said that every true story ends in death, uh, which, which has to be true. I mean, there's an end to all of this for everybody. And in this particular story, there's, there's an end to something even greater than individual livelihoods. So I do find that that's something that I get pulled to. A lot of times when I'm watching movies that are generally uplifting or, or have, a, have a happy ending at the end of everything, my thought is, okay, but what happens after that? Like, hmm. that can't be the end. That's the end of this story. But that can't be the end of these characters' stories. Like, that they have to go on. So what happens next? Where is the disaster? And... Where does it fall apart? Because to me, that's interesting. You, you know, you, when you look at your own life, a lot, for a lot of people, maybe it is the highlights and you think of all of the best things that have happened. 
But for me, it's a culmination. And I think, okay, these are the highs and the lows. And I, I want to see both of those. Um, I think that's something that is maybe captured a little bit in remission. Maybe it would have been uh, perhaps a little bit stronger if I went a little bit higher with the highs. But I do find myself compelled to, to tell those stories. Absolutely. Expanding on that, I'm curious, does that mean then, because especially in horror, obviously, we're used to... Uh, I mean, I couldn't put a percentage on it, but we're used to getting bad endings in horror to where it doesn't typically work out a lot of times for our protagonists or good guys, whatever. Um, but are you ne- you're not necessarily saying like you need a bad ending, like, but it's just you're more so fascinated by when the glitz and glamour is done, when we're done with the, you know, quote unquote, happy ending, what's next after that? So is it not necessarily, it's not necessarily that you want a bad ending for characters. It's just, you're way more interested in what happens when, when the veil is done. Am I understanding that correctly? More or less, it's, I think there needs to be a gravity to it. And and there needs to be uh, some sort of conclusion that satisfies the fact that there was elements of horror riddling the entire story so you know again saw would be what i come back to uh that's not a particularly uplifting story for most of our main characters some some folks it's a little bit better than others but what i never want to do is you look at all of these elements of horror throughout and then it's oh they defeated the monster and everything's great because they defeated the monster and we're going to go on and be happily ever after, uh, kind of tying in with what you're talking about, the pandemic. I mean, that, that's how it's been in real life. You know, we can look and say, okay, we've moved past the pandemic or, or we're at the tail end of it. But everything that transpired during that time is still continuing to have ripple effects. And that still has gravity that, that we're facing currently, we're going to be continuing to face. And I think that's the case, whether it's, you know, a, a slasher movie that's set in a small town and, and this is what's going on and the whole world of our film is is in um a town that's being taken over by michael myers or if it's on a larger global scale there's always ripple effects to it and i think that those deserve the same due diligence as as any of the characters in, in the story and going off you know you talking about the, uh talking about saw it's interesting because, you know, even in compared to your film Remission, which, you know, I mentioned, like, it, it's, it's ironic, it's eerie, you know, the real, the real world problems that we're dealing with and how those are kind of addressed in Remission. Saw kind of does the same thing to where, you know, we have entries that are talking about things that are in the news, you know, Saw 6, big, big thing about healthcare and about our stance on healthcare in the United States. And, you know, even more recently with, uh, you know, the, the continuation spiral being a lot about, you know, police corruption and things about that as well, too. Um, you know, at the beginning of this interview, I talked about how, like, real world stuff maybe may be a little bit scary, but like for you, do you find that when you can, uh, when you can equate things to like real life, like if you go and watch like a saw or, you know, Jordan Peele, you mentioned who talks a, a lot in his films about everyday problems that we're facing now. Do you feel that to you, that makes it sc- a scarier story? Like it, it's easier to immerse yourself in those kind of tales because you see those things happening or you've seen them happen in, in like in real life now? I think it makes it scarier, but it also kind of frames the problem. You know, I, I personally, I have a lot of anxiety when I hear about current events going on and I see the state of the world. And it's almost that effect where I'm like, why is nobody talking about that? Even, even though plenty of people are, 
but uh, then when you go see the movies and it, and it looks like, you know, everything's a, a Disney remake and, and Marvel, and I do enjoy those movies as well. I'm not disparaging them by any means. But sometimes I'm thinking to myself, but where are, where are the issues that we're seeing right now? Like that, that doesn't seem to really be playing. And then when I see something like uh, even a James Gunn Suicide Squad, which for the most part is fun-loving cheesecake action movie, it just has enough tinges of that to where I'm like, yeah, this feels a little bit more weighted in our world. Obviously, I don't think that these people are going to you know, have superpowers and there's going to be a guy with polka dots that can throw him and kill people. But just the fact that he's got these elements of, of mental illness that he's gripping with, and we're talking about our, our criminal justice system throughout this film, it, it weights the film in a way that I, I'm able to connect with it more. And it's something that I like. And at the end of the day, when I'm making films or telling stories of any kind, the first and foremost thing I'm trying to do is make something that I want to watch, which perhaps is selfish, but I think that's the most honest way to tell a story. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, you, you specifically just mentioned just now uh, mental illness, which it, 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 it's ironic because one of the points I wanted to bring up as well is that uh, you actually wrote a review for a film that we reviewed on this show called The Wolf of Snow Hollow um, a few years back. Yeah, you wrote a review for that on, uh, for a site called Horror Patch. And there was a line from it that just stood out to me that you wrote. And you said, we can feel the weight of tragedy cascading down onto the picturesque little town. Officer John Marshall tries his best to keep spirits alive, but quickly falls victim to the avalanche of despair. And I loved that because I, I also love The Wolf of Snow Hollow. I think it's a, a tremendous film that was released. But I think that that's a film that, a number of people who might just be casual moviegoers maybe skipped over checking out on, you know, on demand or renting on pay-per-view when it came out because it wasn't just a simple werewolf tale. And there was a lot more that they were doing with that story to where it's, it's, it's one, of, it's one of the best werewolf movies out there. And, you know, to spoil what it's actually about would be too big of a spoiler to go into. Um, but it, it's interesting hearing you talk about mental health that way, because that film I definitely felt, and you, like reading your review on it, feel the same way. There was a lot about mental health in that movie. And um, looking, looking back, because like I, I, I guess I would compare it a little bit more to uh, probably like, because I like to always compare things, but comparing a little bit more to like Morbus Opus and like, you know, a, a random clergyman shows up and he's being hunted and there might be something more nefarious going on with the, with, with the man he's now speaking to and everything. And there could be some, could be some problems going on also with otherworldly issues there. But do you feel, especially horror, especially horror these days, that we're seeing a lot more mental health awareness because I know there is a trend in like the 70s and 80s, you know, slashers and all these other horror flicks to where, you know, the killer, the, 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 kilter, the killer is mentally stunted or they have like these issues with their parents or their family and things like that. And hearing you bring it up and just again, going back to your article, do you feel that mental health is something to where it's finally getting, maybe not the right term isn't like it's day in the spotlight, but it's getting, it's getting a light shown on it more than it ever has before, especially in horror. Is that, is that something that you feel you've seen or something that you've been noticing now? I would say so. And I think a lot of that has to do with one types of conversation that's able to happen on the internet, whether that be Twitter or, uh, I mean, Tumblr was huge for this. And Reddit, same thing. a lot of these uh, forums, 
is people are much more open to discussing these topics around mental health. And then, you know, what people fail to realize, or, or maybe they do realize that, I'm, I don't want to generalize, but there's always people with a story to tell who are watching these things. And so these storytellers are, are watching this, so they're saying, wait a second, maybe mental health is not quite as taboo as I thought. Maybe it's okay to talk about this. Even if I don't have it 100% correct, uh, I, can, I can share my experience and I can try to connect with people on that way. And somebody's gonna see that movie and somebody's gonna say, oh, now, now I can talk about my experience. So I think there's a bit of a snowball effect with a lot of it. Uh, I, I couldn't necessarily point to a ton of examples one of them that comes to mind immediately is this uh, relatively smaller film called Relic that came out maybe two summers ago, or, or yeah, I think maybe two summers ago now. Um, an Australian director, I believe it was, it was their debut film. You might already have seen this one, but I thought it was a terrific film. It was a pretty quiet horror movie, and a lot of the messaging behind it was around familial trauma and generational trauma, which again, like Hereditary was a, a movie similar to that. So that's a very unique take on, on mental illness and horror, in my opinion. I mean, outside of those two films, I can't think of anything prior to maybe 2015 that I saw that has that level. And now we're kind of seeing that in Halloween, where we're seeing these generations of women uh, working through this, this trauma. So uh, same thing with all different sort of mental afflictions. I think that it is, and I, I don't know, maybe there's something to be said about the fact that uh, people with certain mental illnesses find a sort of sense of comfort and horror. I know that I do, and it, it, sometimes it's because if I can see the scary thing, if I can see the monster, then that's a little bit more comforting to me than just the abstract nature of the world that we live in. I like that. I, I, I do like that a lot, and I, I agree. It, it, it's nice to see that filmmakers are making it less and less taboo these days so we have, we have much more interesting films as as these topics get explored more so no i appreciate you uh, going into that there okay so here's the big one and i do this with all my guests on the show here now and so we're going to ask you we're going to take remission and whether you truly thought out any ideas ever for like a sequel or a follow-up to remission because like you said you produced this a couple of years back now what we want to know and what we're, we're going to try to get to here is if you had to come up or share an idea of where remission two would go you get to do a follow-up to remission whether it's immediately down the line whatever where does this story go now this could be something that you actually have thought out there something you make up on the fly but you got the money the campaign works out there you got a script together what does remission two look like if you had to put together your dream idea for it or just pulling something out of your ass now? What, what would you make for it? <laughs> uh, no, there, there actually is a little bit of a plan for that. I'm, I'm really excited that you asked me. That I have an outline for a feature. So the, the continuation of the story, um, it, it would be in the form of a feature ideally. It could happen in, in an anthology, but what I would really love to do is build this out. Uh, I was kind of talking about VHS and Trick or Treat build it out to one of those style of anthology films where we see how this has affected different areas of the world. Uh, but there's a continuous through line that goes through throughout each of these shorts. Uh, I have an idea for one particular character who would show up in each single one of them. And 
I don't want to spoil too much about this film or, or what, you know, maybe this could turn into someday, but this is the ending. Remission is, is the, this short film is the ending. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that means that, you know, it would be exactly what we did with the short. We'd probably have to change a handful of things. We'd want to throw people off the trail, but I'd want to go back in time. So we, we go um, into the future and see what is it like? How, how is this, you know, cause these ripple effects that I'm talking about at, at the very end. And, and that's what we see first is maybe 30 years into the future. And then we go back six years and we see how all of these actions that we are making currently are going to affect us 30 years down the line. Should something like this happen in real life? What, what would that look like? And then the very end would be present day with, with a film like this. I love it. And Here's the thing, y'all. We won't know. I mean, if we get the if we get the film to come out, we'll see if some of these ideas show up in it there. But we're not gonna have you confirm and, like you said, not give up the juicy, juicy secrets here and now there because we want to make sure you still got that. Um, but I want to touch really quickly upon the fact because you've mentioned it a few times, anthology horror, which is absolutely. Uh, like if slasher flicks are my number one anthology horror has got to be number two there you know grew up twilight zone tales from the dark side tales from the crypt all that good stuff now and you mentioned a lot of really recent ones as well too trick-or-treat vhs um is there a favorite for you out there like is there is there an anthology flick that you go back to time and time again that's just that that's you when it's when it's time for a comfort film that's the one you're picking out you know, I don't know if there is. I feel like I bounce around between a few. Lately, I've really been enjoying Love, Death, and Robots, yeah. which I don't know if you would put that squarely in horror, but enough of those to me stand out as, as horror films. Uh, Black Mirror is terrific. I don't know if we can continue doing Black Mirror because it's kind of turning into real life. Oh, yeah. But again, sort of that elevated horror where each time they're coming in with a concept and they're saying, "How? what would this look like if it happened? And I mean, it's fun to see some some named actors do something a little bit off the radar. Uh, and then that it's led to people like Daniel Kaluuya who've gone on and had great careers or um, Wyatt Russell as well. I, I believe that was one of the first things he did was Black Mirror. So that, if I had to throw something out there currently, I might have to say Black Mirror just because I'm talking about it so much now. But all of the things that we've just mentioned, very much front of mind, absolutely. Okay. And then my final question for you, besides uh, a possible remission follow-up prequel, you know, expansion of that story there, uh, again, in one of the interviews I read that you did, you talked about how one of the easiest ways for you to beat your writer's block is to focus on another project, basically get off the project that you're, you're focusing in on and try to look towards another project or a multitude of other projects. So are you in a position where you can talk about what's on the horizon for you? What's up? What's up next? Are there any details you can share about what the eventual follow-up or the next project to remission is going to be? Yeah, absolutely. So, and this is all a little bit under wraps, but there's two things that I'm kind of working towards right now. Uh, one of them is a feature length film, completely different from anything we've talked about here, anything else that I've put out there. Um, I don't want to give away the title yet, but essentially our log line is Inception meets Friday, uh, sorry, not Friday the 13th, Inception meets Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's a lot of jumping into people's heads, seeing what's going on, uh, a little bit playing off of the current season of Stranger Things, but, uh, you know, delving into the psyche of different people and, you know, what it might, 
be like to to experience that um, from from somebody who has that ability. And again, it, it touches on things like mental illness and uh, touches on things like uh, what is affecting all of us on a society. But at the end of the day, I, again, it's a monster film. So that that's what we're trying to do with that. And then I want to uh, start working in the world of virtual reality because that that feels like a pretty untapped ecosystem currently and it's perfect for horror i mean i I can't think of anything scarier than the combination of a horror movie and a haunted house put together Mm -hmm. so i want to start playing with that and i i have an idea to um adapt some old public domain literary works to potentially bring into that space so those are the two ideas i'm running with currently exciting we're gonna hope we get some more news on that here in the future well ben Thank you so much for joining us today to get to talk for Mission and a little bit about your career in the industry. Do you have anything you want to plug for us, sir? Watch for Mission. That, that's, that's really all that there is. Um, follow us, Stack Deck Studios on YouTube. You can watch the film for free, share it with your friends, share it with your folks. But that, that's all I got. Thank you so much, T. There we go, y'all. We have the link here in the video itself so you can check out Remission on YouTube right now. Thanks again, Ben. Awesome, appreciate it, thank you. Hey everybody, I appreciate you checking out this video, whether it was a review, whether it was a new episode, whether it was an unboxing, an interview, or whatever else. I wanna remind you, you can check out my separate reviews also on my YouTube page, and new full episodes go up every Wednesday night on YouTube at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and on your favorite podcasting platforms at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, like and share. My name is T, we've been talking scary movies. Stay scared. Thank you.